Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Avery from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you got MJ. Welcome to another of the 50 most relevant as we work our way through who I believe are the most relevant players in fantasy football for salary cap. Supercoach, Dream Team, AFL Fantasy, all put together in one universal list to help me chat through the number that lands at 17 of the countdown. I'm talking about Zach Merritt of the Essendon Football Club. i got Jimmy on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Let's talk about Zach Merritt. Still just the 24 years old, a midfielder from the Essendon Football Club. And despite last year, certainly not being the peak of his powers, we still got to see some of the best of Zach Merritt. A 138 against Gold Coast was his best AFL fantasy and dream team score, while it was 130 for Supercoach. That was against uh, the eventual runners-up in the grand final, Collingwood. His averages last year are quite a bit of a drop away from what he'd done for previous seasons, but there's a reason for it, and we will talk about it. It's a 101.4 in AFL Fantasy and 100.3 in Supercoach. From a price perspective, he's going to see back just under 550k in Supercoach and around about 730,000, a little bit more in AFL Fantasy and a little less in Dream Team. And Jimmy, when we talk about Zach Merritt, uh, he's really one of the best fantasy football premiums we have going around. But last year, if you started him, he was unique. And he really did have an injury-impacted season right from the get-go. Inside the first quarter, he and Adelaide Crow Richard Douglas decided uh, that they needed to uh, get a little bit closer. Uh, Clash ended up concussion out of the game. And uh, that, for some coaches, kind of summed up their fantasy football season. It was done before it even got started. Oh, look, and it's just terrible luck when that happens. It's one of those things you can't possibly predict it. Um, and, and all the reasons for starting him last year were perfectly valid. There yeah. was no reason not to do it. And if you did take him and you had him as a unique, you would have felt pretty good about that going into the year. Um, and it's just, as you say, one of those things. Um, unfortunately, it happens. It's part of the game. And... Uh, all you can do is cop it and move on. He was on track for 100. I know it was only the first quarter, but as an owner at the time myself, I'm like, this is look at the goods, my friend. But then he didn't miss a game for the remainder of the year, but it was pretty evident that um, there were still some of those lingering concussion impacts there, while no yeah. doubt cleared by the medical staff, especially in that round three matchup. You could kind of watch him and you're like, he still doesn't look quite himself round two. He got a, a pretty heavy tag from a second game player, Banfield, at that time. But it was round four that he got his first ton for the year against Port Adelaide. And then we started to see him back towards his best. 20, yeah. uh, it was look, I don't, not a bad I don't year. want to cast aspersions over the Essendon medical team or anything. No. Uh, they've got a reputation to uphold, but it's... Um... He clearly was not right in that first game back. Well, you could just see, you know, not only was it the tag against Fremantle, but then you look into the how he was kind of rolling through the rest of the year um, against the Western Bulldogs. It was just the 13 touches. It was his lowest possession count um, throughout the year. Um, wasn't really getting a tag of the Bulldogs don't really tag. And so it was quite evident that things weren't quite right. No, not not at all, not at all. But as as you said at the start, um, when he is on fire, he's um, he's as good as it gets from a fantasy point of view. And 
And now we've got a chance to pick him up under Priced. Yeah, we do. Look, he managed still the 14-odd tons across AFL Fantasy last year. Six of them won 20 and averaged 101. 15 supercoach tons. down season. Yeah, I know. Like, that's crazy, isn't it? 15 supercoach tons. Um, four of them were 120 and, and a flat average of 100. And so, yeah, you're right. We're talking about a guy that a, a bad year is still mid-teens hundreds. Probably what we didn't see out of him last season in 2018 um, that we did in other years was probably maybe a lack of ceiling um, about yeah. it. And part of that was him working his way through a tag. And part of it were these games where he was impacted a little bit early on in the year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And um, and this year, as far as that tag goes, he's um, he's going to have Shield running alongside him as well, which uh, I think might change things a little bit. Well, you look at how Dylan Shield, the new inclusion into the Essendon Football Club, um, they had the likes of Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield, Callan Ward, Stephen Canelio, um, and young kids like Hopper and Taranto, Scully at times rolling through there prior to his move to Hawthorne. And yet Dylan Shield was almost eight out of, if not nine out of ten times, an opposition chose to go for a negating midfielder. Shield was the primary target. And while Zach Merritt on his day can be a real damaging accumulator of the ball, he doesn't have the same skill set that Dylan Shield does where he's going to cut you up on the inside and the outside with not just his precision use of the ball by foot, but also that damaging burst away out of speed from a stoppage. And, you know, yes, Zach's got some perfectly incredible football skills. He, he lacks that burst from stoppage that Shield does that makes him such a hard player to combat against it, and you do need to shut him down. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And if I'm choosing... Uh, if I'm an opposition coach and I'm looking at which of the, the two I'm going to tag, it's Shield every day. Yeah, I think so. And look, there there are some positives about Zach's last year. And then I want to talk about his 2016 and 17. To re-remind us what he can do is, as the year went on, the tags certainly, or the defensive midfielder at stoppages certainly were very evident for Zach. But as the year went on, he started to find his way to work through it. Again, the big ceiling, those crazy 140, 150s that we've seen over previous years weren't as, um, weren't as frequent. You know, just the you know handful of 120 scores across the formats this year, kind of one in three of his tons was that big 120 plus, 140, you know, sort of scores. But towards the end of the year, he started to figure it out how to work his way through a tag. And in fact, post-buy, the final 10 games, his lowest score across both formats was a 93. He just had the one score in Supercoach that wasn't a ton. I think it was only two in AFL Fantasy that won't. And he averaged over 110 across both formats to end the year. And so here we're getting a guy that's priced at 100, basically, across the formats, who's learnt to work his way through a tag and averaged 110 in the final back end of the year, which is much closer to what we saw over the previous seasons beforehand. Oh, exactly right. And I mean, yesterday when we were talking about Miles and uh, how he's probably 20, you know, at, at least 15, if not 20 points or more underpriced, you can make exactly the same argument for Merritt here. And uh, and if he does hit that mark, he's very much a, a top 10 uh, midfield keeper compared to Miles, who you need to upgrade. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's an awful lot to like about this. There is. And then you go back and look at those two seasons prior. Um, you know, just missed the one game. Uh, but during those 43 games in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 33 tonnes, 
22 of those were over 120 and a combined average of those two seasons of 117. While in Supercoach, 27 tons across those 43 games, 17 of those hundreds were over 120 and an average of 110. So you're right. We're getting a guy who consistently now over really three or two and a half years of data, probably to be fair, we're seeing he's got a big ceiling about him. He's a pretty safe 110 averaging midfielder, no matter the format, and yet we're paying for 100. There's little reason not to start him this preseason. Look, and when you look at it like that and you put all of that data out there in front of you, my only question, MJ, I think at this point, is why is he only number 17 on this list? Who the hell have we got who's a bigger and more relevant pick than him? Well, that's where people obviously... It's a very, very subjective list, and so people have different (laughs) opinions and thoughts and feelings, but there are some some big midfielders, some big forwards, maybe some rocks, uh, maybe a few defenders. half weeks coming up. There are lots of players in there, but I I think some of the things that may have dampened people's enthusiasm about him, and maybe while he slid back on the list a little bit, is the fact that he has suffered an injury during the preseason. Now, thankfully, it's early in the preseason on the other side of Christmas um, because where most of the fitness base is built for clubs coming into a new preseason that didn't play finals um, is done pre-Christmas. So thankfully, he's done all the the fitness base work, um, you know, sort of through there. But he was in a moon boot, um, depending on which journalist you follow on Twitter. Uh, he had an ACL um, sort of sort of injury. But look, while he's yeah. still not back to <laughs> um, to full fitness and health and has spent some time in a, in a moon boot, um, he is still expected not just to be right for round one, but right for the JLT in just a couple of weeks' time. And so I I think any concern that you have may be whether there's some lingering effects with that preseason injury that's there. But um, from all reports, according to the medical team at Essendon, and even from Zach himself, he's come out in the media and said, I'm going to be right to go for the JLT. So so that gives you some confidence, but that's probably one of the reasons he may have slipped back a little bit in the 50, and also why coaches may have cooled on him, seeing that, Look, he hasn't done as much of the match simulation as they'd like at this point in time. He has been impacted. And maybe some people have a rule in the preseason of if you get injured, no matter who you are, no matter how big the injury, you're out. That's probably where you start to find reasons not to pick him. Oh, look, I suppose there's, yeah, there's, there's a bit about that about it. And, and the other thing, too, for some, uh, some coaches could be that uh, there's only so many of these underpriced premiums you can pick. Yeah. Um, and if you're wanting to start with a couple of big guns and you want to lock in a McRae and lock in, say, an Oliver and a Josh Kelly, um, you're picking a, a Miles or a Libra or a Hannah's or, or two of them potentially yeah. um, at that lower end, a handful of rookies, you've only got one, two, maybe three at most spots left to fill. And and then you're making choices. You're picking Merritt, you're picking Fife, you're picking Matt Crouch, or you're picking Brad Crouch. You know, all of the, the Taylor Adams is another Dusty. Um, yeah. So many of that type of player who we can make reasonable arguments are underpriced. Which ones do you go for? And, and for me, I think uh, Merritt is a, a pretty easy lock um, across the formats at this point from that point of view. But I can certainly understand why. Uh, coaches might be looking at some of those other options instead. Yeah, look, maybe it's their buy structure, you know, um, especially if a Tom Mitchell was still available, that would have made it real interesting with McRae and Mitchell sharing the same buy round as Nat Fife and Zach Merritt. That may have kind of topped some people out. Uh, again, that's no longer a variable that coaches need to consider, but y- yeah, I-, I really struggle to see a world where uh, unless injury impacts the start to his season, where I don't mm-hmm. start him uh, across, definitely dream team uh, an AFL fantasy, I, I 
want to find a way to fit him in Supercoach, but like you've said, there's so many of these different value premiums and really, really hard to say no stepping stones, let alone the big boys. That's where maybe Merritt might drip away in Supercoach a little bit. I do think his numbers are huge. One of the formats, it'd be be that one. Yeah. I think in fantasy, it's almost impossible to say no. Um, given the two trades a week. Dream Team, similar. If he's going to drop away in any format because of value, I think you're right. I think it's super coach. Yeah, yeah, no doubt at all for me on that one. But uh, the other format, Ultimate Footy or, or your draft format, so whichever platform you're using, um, is um, is a very interesting choice to make in that one too. It's going to be fascinating to see what people do. I want to get your take on it um, in a keeper league in, in just a moment, both where he goes in a startup and what you do with him in an existing. Um, one, yep. hold him is the, is, is yep. the simple answer. But um, if you were to use like the Draft Doctor's Draft Simulator, which came out on Saturday, or just yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this episode, you can go around and have a different versions of Ultimate Footy, Supercoach, Fantasy Draft and see where it is. Um, I reckon you'll be able to get him as an M2, hmm. which would mean yeah. second round. But by the end yeah. of the third round, there's no way he's gone. He's still there. Like, yes, he's even a chance of a first round pick. Yeah, look, he's a chance of a first round pick. I think um, if someone takes him there, they're reaching a little bit yeah. early compared to where they could get him. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, on that run back on the second, if there's uh, a lot of mids taken early. But I think part of the thing this year is there are. So many um, premium and, and top-line premium defenders and, and rucks and forwards yeah, between the three lines as viable alternatives to midfielders in yes. the first and second rounds. There is a, a reasonable chance that Merritt does slip through to the third, especially because he's sitting on the draft sheet with an average of 100. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking at it and you're going, OK, well, um, I need to pick my second mid. Is it going to be side bottom or Trelaw or... Um, you know, whoever else who's got that sort of 105, 108 sort of mark that's coming up on that first page of mids, you may not even be flicking to the second page. So yeah. I think there's a reasonable chance in a lot of leagues where he will fall to the late second or, or into the third. And yeah, you can pick him up as your second mid, uh, assuming you picked one in the first couple. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. If he's there in the third, you take him. Like you oh, absolutely. absolutely take absolutely. him. Absolutely. And um, what it also means is because we've got players like him, yes. and, um, that present as viable M1s if they do what we yeah. think they're going to do, it means there's no reason not to take a, 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 for, a Ford and a Defender or a Ruck and a Ford in the first two rounds knowing that you've got a, a, a vast swath of midfielders that you can pick that could easily average over 100 in the third and fourth and fifth rounds. Yeah, you could be getting him at, at an M2 position, whether that be a second or a third round, but getting mm. the scoring of an M1. And that, and that's the exciting yeah. possibilities with Zach Merritt. In a startup keeper league, I'm keen to get your take. I've got him in a brand new keeper league as one of the top five selections going. What about you? Yeah, I'm not sure if he's quite top five, but okay. he's certainly not far off it. Um, again, I think he's clearly in the first round or two. Um, no real questions asked about that. Yeah. Um, I think if we look at as far as brand new keeper leagues go, most of the players who will be taken in the first round of a single season draft will go in a first probably for a keeper. Still first round choices in a brand new keeper as well. Um, there's not too many of them that are the wrong side of say 26 or 27, but that you're looking at straight off the bat. Um, you're still picking McRae in the first couple. You're still picking Grundy in the first couple. There's um, Laird and Boyd to probably go first round in yeah, the that's true. keeper as well. Um, so when we look at that type of player, um, Clayton Oliver is another. Um, yeah, you can make reasonable cases again for for Trelaw or um, yeah that type too. So 
Merritt certainly fits comfortably in that conversation with those names. But I think it starts to become about personal that. preference, really, doesn't it? It, does. it, it really is pretty does. much and from about 5 to 15, yeah. you can build this case for, yep, whether yep. it be Merritt it goes at 5 or Merritt goes at 15, you're not going to go, what a horrible choice. You're just going, oh, yeah, I get why you do that. In yeah, an existing absolutely. Keeper League, though, mm-hmm. are you? it feels like this might be the chance you'd get to get him out of someone's hands, but someone that's yeah. owned Zach Merritt in an existing Keeper League for anything beyond last year, mm-hmm. they know just how good he is, and you oh. know, good luck getting him. <laughs> that's it. We all know exactly how good he is. I don't think that's part of the question at all, but you're right. After the, the numbers he produced last year, where it was only, um, only 100, uh, and the um, the injuries he's had in the off season, and you know that inclusion of, of Shields, I suppose you could try and make an argument that works against him rather than for him. All of those things, I guess, you could try and if there was a time to get him, this would be the time to to pitch a subtle offer. You're still going to have to pay a lot for him. You're not going to be able to swap a um, yeah some sort of trash out there. But um, yeah, he's still considered a premium, and rightly so, um, and it'll take a premium price to get him out of a coach I'd expect. Or a really big um, premium. if that coach knows what he's doing, you're paying well overs for it. Yeah, you're going to have to. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts as we've talked about Zach Merritt today. No worries, mate. Anytime. Yeah, I thought you might want to talk about one of your keeper boys. If you want to go and check out the article. You're yeah, not getting him cheaply. Oh, well, I tried. I thought I'd weasel my way in through the episode. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, you can check out my article on him right now at coachespanel.tv, as well as all the other players from the 50 most relevant. Uh, you can check out the podcast. Uh, make sure you leave it at five-star rating and review. And if you love what you're getting from the Coaches Panel, you want to become a part of our Patreon, you can do that at coachespanel.tv while you're there. Tomorrow, the number 16 of the 50 most relevant, getting close to my top 15. And this one, again, like Zach Merritt, maybe it's too low in the countdown for you because I don't think you're going to have the argument that he's in too high.